Happy 4th of July to any listeners in America, and welcome all to another edition of See It or Shove It. I'm your host, Greg, and I'm here again this week to give you my thoughts on the latest movies playing in theaters and streaming on your TV. Also this week, I share the latest arrivals on streaming services and now streaming, and Be Kind Rewind looks at the film you voted for. This episode is slightly shorter than normal, but as Dolly Parton said in the film Straight Talk, I've been busier than a one-legged man in a buck-kicking contest. So on that note... Let's get started. For our featured movies this week, Indiana Jones returns to the saddle in Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, two childhood friends reunite in past lives, and a young girl discovers that growing up is a beast in Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. First up, an adventurous archaeologist goes on a worldwide treasure hunt. This is Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Ah, there's that classic John Williams score. The film starts during the final days of World War II, and Indy, played as always by Oscar-nominated actor Harrison Ford, is on the hunt with a colleague named Basil Shaw, played by Toby Jones. The two are on the hunt for historical artifacts that are being stolen by Nazi troops. Indy is captured and eventually escapes before confronting a Nazi astrophysicist named Jürgen Wohler, played by Mads Mikkelsen. Voller has discovered that they are in possession of Archimedes' dial. It's an ancient Greek device that could predict astronomical positions for decades that gives an incredible amount of power to the beholder. After an intense set piece, the film jumps to 1969, where a now much older Indiana Jones is retiring from his teaching position at Hunter College. His life is in shambles due to the death of his son Mutt and the impending dissolution of his marriage to Marion, who has left him. He is reunited with his goddaughter Helena, played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Helena is Basil's daughter, who has now come looking for the half of the dial her father and Indy found decades before. Indy promised her father, who is now dead, that he would destroy it to prevent it from getting into the wrong hands. Of course, he did not do that. Helena has her own financial motives for wanting a dial, as does Voler, who returns with a pack of baddies who are willing to chase Indy and Helena all around the world in order to retrieve it. Who will end up with the Dial of Destiny? When I saw the trailer for this, I thought it would be a see it. And I give this film a... See it. Full disclosure, I was never a huge fan of this series, even when I was a kid. I've never particularly enjoyed creepy crawlies, and like Indiana Jones himself, I hate snakes. I don't even like looking at pictures of them. So, the indie movies were never my cup of tea. That said, I found this movie to be more engaging than not. That opening sequence was thrilling, even if the de-aging technology to make Ford and Mickelson look younger was not the most convincing. Speaking of which, my one gripe with the film was the constant jokes about Ford's age. I thought they were a little heavy-handed, and the writers could have laid off the gas a bit with them. Most of them were not funny, 
except for one set by Ford himself. But the action sequences were perfectly balanced. I loved the one that's set during the parade as well. That was very, very intense. Um, but throughout the two-hour and 34-minute runtime, it had a good balance of action scenes and non-action scenes. But that doesn't mean that it wasn't longer than it needed to be. There were a handful of times the film could have ended, and it didn't. But all in all, it was an enjoyable time, and few can do facial expressions better than Harrison Ford, who wears this role like a glove. He has a wide range of emotions throughout, and it reminds you of what a really underappreciated actor he is. If you're a fan of the franchise, I think you're going to love this one. Next, when a woman is confronted by her past, an agonizing decision must be made. This is Past Lives. There's a word in Korean, inyon. It means providence or fate. You believe in that? That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. As a young girl in South Korea, Na Young begins having a crush on a boy in her class named Hae Sung. Her crush is cut short when her parents decide to move to Canada. Time and distance makes the two friends drift apart as their lives move in different directions. Twelve years later, Na Young, played by Greta Lee, now goes by Nora and is a playwright living in the theater capital of the world, New York City. Hae Sung, played by Tao Yu, is a student studying engineering. Hae Sung has never really forgotten about the crush of his youth and one day reaches out to Nora's father to see how she is doing. They are eventually brought back together via Facebook and begin reconnecting through Skype calls. The spark is clearly still there, but with both of their lives now on a trajectory of success, neither seems willing to change their plans to be together again, causing the two to lose contact yet again. Over the course of another 12 years, Nora is now married to a thoughtful writer named Arthur, played by John Magaro. She is completely assimilated into American culture and rarely speaks Korean anymore. Hey Sung has never really let go of his feelings for Nora and eventually decides to go on vacation to, you guessed it, New York City. This forces Nora into an emotional crisis as she is now reunited and facing the dilemma of her feelings for Hae Sung and her devotion to her loving husband. What does she decide? When I saw the trailer for this, I predicted it would be a see it. And I give this film a... See it. I really enjoyed this. In her directorial debut, director Celine Song crafts an emotional tale that tugs at your heartstrings as it really shows that in this love triangle, there is no villain, other than possibly time and distance. It makes you reflect on the journey you take in life and how everything turns out is a result of time and place and what would have happened if things were different. I think that is something everyone ponders at least once in their lives. I know I have, more than once. Buried deep within the story is a tale of the immigrant experience, and how lives are sent on unexpected paths due to certain circumstances, 
and how people struggle with maintaining affection for their culture while trying to assimilate into a new one. The performances of the three leads are all fantastic, and your heart will break for each of them, as regardless of the decision Nora makes, no one leaves happier than when they started. It's really an emotional movie that doesn't use cloying tropes to tug at the heartstrings, instead using a more natural emotional method. If it's playing in a theater near you, go see it. Finally, a young girl discovers the powers that she has within. This is Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken. I feel like a freak. Ow! I just want to be Ruby Gilman, normal teenager. Ugh, boo. Where's the fun in that? You have powers beyond your imagination. You are the protector of all the ocean's creatures. It's up to you to stop the evil mermaids. But people love mermaids. Of course they do. People are stupid. Ruby Gilman, voiced by Lana Condor, is a smart, introverted teenager. She has an overprotective mother, voiced by Oscar nominee Tony Collette, who warns her of the dangers of the sea. When Ruby's prom is set to take place on a boat, she is forbidden to go, and she and her friends come up with alternate plans. However, she is very smitten with Connor, voiced by Jibuki Young-White, and she wants more than anything to go to the prom with him. One other thing to know... Ruby is blue, scaly, and not like the other kids. When anyone suspects anything different about her, she claims she's from Canada, which seems to work with these idiots. During a promposal gone wrong, Connor falls into the ocean and Ruby impulsively dives in to rescue him. The problem, though, is when she touches water, she turns into a giant sea kraken. She is initially mortified by her transformation, especially since she is seen by the popular girl at school, Chelsea Vanderzee, voiced by Annie Murphy. Chelsea has a secret of her own, though, as she is a mermaid in disguise. Reuniting with her grandmama, voiced by Oscar winner Jane Fonda, Ruby is warned about the long feud between the Krakens and the mermaids. Ruby thinks she can work some magic to heal the rift through friendship. Is she right? I give this film a... See it! This movie is cute and fun. Yes, it is like the bastard child of the superior turning red and Luca, but it was cute enough to enjoy, and I think kids will enjoy this one as well, while they wait for the next family film to be released. The animation was very good, especially the setting, which is a seaside town. Why on earth would this family move to a seaside town when they would turn into krakens with the slightest drop of water is beyond me, but it looked gorgeous nevertheless. The voice work was excellent, and it also includes performances by Sam Richardson as Ruby's long-lost Uncle Brill, and Coleman Domingo as her kind and patient father, Arthur. I thought the storyline was a nice metaphor for growing up and the emotions that come along with that. Take your kids to see this one. I think they'll have fun. That's it for this week's featured films. To recap, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is in theaters now and is a see-it. Past Lives is in theaters now and is a see-it, and it's my pick of the week. And Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, is in theaters now and is a see-it. Now, let's move on to my segment where I share where you can find some of the films released within the past few months that are now available for home viewing. This is now streaming. (laughs) 
Paul Mescal's Oscar-nominated performance in After Sun can now be streamed on Showtime. It's about a man struggling with depression, as well as his relationship with his daughter. You can hear my mini-review on episode 61. And the sequel, Book Club The Next Chapter, reunites old friends played by Candace Bergen, Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, and Mary Steenburgen for another round of Fun and Frolic. It is currently streaming on Peacock, and you can hear my full review on episode 80. Now it's time for the segment where I look at films from the past. This is Be Kind, Rewind. Continuing on the series where I take the 52-week movie challenge, this week's topic was a movie focusing on an illness, and the contenders were One True Thing, Philadelphia, and Terms of Endearment. You voted, and the film you selected was One True Thing. I want you to move home and take care of her. Move home? I cannot just drop everything. It could ruin my career. We can get a nurse, and I will come home every nurse, weekend. Nurse, we're not getting a nurse. Your mother needs you, Ellen. A sick mother means three weeks off and a very nice arrangement of flowers sent by the staff. Ellie, you're home. I'm home for a while. No, 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 no. Not to play nursemaid to me. Show me how. It can't be that hard. Two-time Oscar winner Renee Zellweger stars as Ellen, a successful career woman who is guilted by her father George, played by Oscar winner William Hurt, after he accuses her of being too busy with her own life to care about her mother Kate, played by the great three-time Oscar winner Meryl Streep. Kate is suffering from cancer, and eventually Ellen caves into the pressure from her father and quits her job and leaves her boyfriend behind to return to upstate New York. When she gets there, she discovers that it really wasn't her relationship with her mother that her father was worried about, but more like he wanted her to be there so that he can go on with his own life and responsibilities as his wife is dying of cancer, and Ellen could take care of her now instead of him. Kate is a loving wife and mother who cares for her children and husband and tries her best to carry on as if nothing is wrong. Eventually, Ellen and Kate build a bond that brings them closer right until the end. Released on September 18, 1998, One True Thing is based on Anna Quindlin's novel of the same name. Quindlin based the story on her own relationship with her mother as well as the grief she felt upon her death. The film is a deeply emotional portrayal of the bond between parent and child and how the circle of life takes hold as eventually parents need to rely on their children when the end of life nears. Zellweger gives an excruciating performance, as does Streep, of course, Streep earned the 11th of her stunning 21 Oscar nominations, but she would eventually lose out to Gwyneth Paltrow, who won for the Best Picture winning Shakespeare in Love. The film was received very well by critics who noted the emotional script and tender performances. However, it failed to make any money at the box office, earning $26 million on a $30 million budget. I don't know why audience wouldn't want to spend their hard-earned money crying their eyes out while watching someone die of cancer on a huge movie screen. Who knew that wouldn't draw them into the theaters? It's too bad, though, because this is a great film. And you can watch it as it is available to rent on various platforms. Next week's Be Kind Rewind topic is a film with a strong female lead. The contenders are A League of Their Own, Thelma and Louise, or Aliens. Come to my Instagram at theatershoveit to vote for which film I should focus on and the post with the most likes will be next week's segment. 
So that's it for this episode of Theater Shove It. Before I go, I wanted to shout out loyal listener Kathy in Tennessee, who sent me the nicest card this week. It was such a pleasant surprise and made my day. I hope you're doing well and you'll be hearing from me soon. Thank you so much for joining me this week. I appreciate the time you give me. Support your local theaters by going to see some of the movies I reviewed this month. And while you're at it, share my podcast with your movie and TV-loving friends and family. And don't forget, you can now drop me a line at theatershoveit at gmail.com and let me know of any ideas or suggestions. Follow me on Instagram and letterboxed at theatershoveit and rate me wherever you get your podcast. If you haven't already, don't forget to listen to the July Trailer Talk episode and plan your movie going for the month. Another one now available to listen to is part two of my summer miniseries, 50 Years, 50 Movies, where I share my favorite movie from each year of my life. Part three will be coming soon. And come back next week to hear my thoughts on all the new releases, including the scary Insidious The Red Door and the comedy Joyride. Have a great week, everyone. I'll catch you next time. This episode of Theater Shove It was recorded in Orlando, Florida, and is produced by Gregory G. Productions. Music by Mysterio Music, all rights reserved.